Broadcasting on the Drug Truth Network, this is Cultural Baggage. It's not only inhumane, it is really fundamentally un-American. My name is Dean Becker. I don't condone or encourage the use of any drugs, legal or illegal. I report the unvarnished truth about the pharmaceutical, banking, prison, and judicial nightmare that feeds on eternal drug war. Hello, my friends. Welcome to this edition of Cultural Baggage. I'm glad you could be with us. On this program, we're going to listen to a couple of black spokespersons who were at a conference last week in Washington, D.C., along with Mr. Howard Woldridge, a member of LEAP, who also attended this event. Sponsored by the National African American Drug Policy Coalition, NAADPC. It's a coalition of preeminent African American professional organizations united to promote drug policies and laws that embrace the public health nature of drug abuse and provide a more effective and humane approach to address the chronic societal problem of drug abuse. I'm Judge Arthur Burnett, a senior judge from the Superior Court of the District of Columbia. I've been on the bench almost 34, 35 years, but I'm in a senior judge status on sabbatical and heading the National African American Drug Policy Coalition as its national executive director. The coalition consists of 23 African American professional organizations that have come together to work in a unified manner to deal with the drug crisis in African-American communities across the country, to promote treatment rather than incarceration for people who are involved in drug offenses because they are addicted. And we are urging a medical public health approach to dealing with the addiction and the drug problem rather than warehousing the people in prison and then they get out and there's a vicious cycle of in and out of prison without the drug issues being treated as if it were a physical or mental illness. Well, Judge Burnett, you are in Washington, D.C., attending I, a conference in this regard. I uh, am, I, I'm in Washington, D.C., but I'm headquarters here at Washington, in Washington, D.C. at Howard University, Howard University and its law school is a member of the coalition and provides the administrative offices for the operation of the of the coalition. The Robert Wood Johnson Foundation provides funding for travel and its operations to promote its programs and activities. And uh, Judge Burnett, this uh, this focus uh, needs to be brought to bear. Uh, the drug war has. Uh, uh, shown itself to uh, have disparate tactics insofar as uh, the black community uh, with uh, increased numbers of blacks arrested, uh, prosecuted, and incarcerated. Uh, your thoughts on that, sir? Well, you're definitely correct, and indeed, 44 or 45 percent of the people in prison are African Americans, and this is a result in part because of concentration of police officers working in African-American communities where they see drug offenses going on. Because of the high rate of unemployment, unfortunately, many young black males are attracted to dealing or trafficking in drugs. So consequently, 
they get arrested more because police are there to see what they're doing. So the concentration of police officers in our African-American communities, the high rate of unemployment, the outsourcing of jobs, the lack of job opportunities has led to increased arrests. And when they do get arrested more than once, then eventually they end up going to prison. And therefore you end up with the substantial concentration and disproportionate representation of African-American male and women in prison. And on the women's side, the women who become addicted frequently end up in prostitution to get money to get their drugs. And as a result, they get arrested for prostitution offenses and do 30, 60-day sentences and are in and out of prison. So we have a great astronomical increase in the number of black women who are end up going to prison because of drug uses and addiction problems as well. Now, insofar as uh, access to treatment, when somebody like Rush Limbaugh uh, gets in trouble over these drugs, he, he goes away to treatment and, in essence, exonerates his record by doing so. But within the black community, there is just not that many uh, available options towards treatment, is there? You are absolutely correct, and indeed one of the unfortunate consequences in our society is that for most African Americans, the only way you get uh, get treatment is to get yourself arrested first and get into the criminal justice system. But there is no such thing as treatment on demand. And in many instances, even insurance policies, when people have health insurance, excludes treatment for alcoholism or drug addiction or any kind of moral philosophy. Well, that's something you did uh, of your own will and do not recognize it is a disease. One of the things that our coalition is urging is that states change their laws to require that if the insurance company is going to do business in that state, there must be parity, and that uh, alcoholism, drug addiction must be treated just like you would treat diabetes or you would treat hypertension or a physical ailment, and that there should be total equality or parity of treatment of uh addiction or alcoholism as a disease just like your physical diseases and so we are urging that as a policy change all across america now we uh hear word from many drug reform organizations some call them the the fringe ponytail outfits if you will but your organization is a, a coalition of uh, people of great stature amongst them uh, kurt schmoke uh, charlie wrangle and uh, former drug czar lee brown Let's talk about the consensus of this uh, this gathering. Well, I would say the consensus of this gathering at this point is to deal with promoting treatment as a, a public health issue and developing a program of prevention and education directed to our youth to dis- dissuade our youth from becoming involved in drug uses. The idea of legalizing or decriminalizing drugs, we think, is a would be a diversion and a distraction from accomplishing these two main goals at this point. And, of course, at this point, until we begin to change the culture and educate our public, the exposure initially uh, to situations of drugs being freely available, we still have an apprehension or concern that we'll end up with more youngsters and teenagers and, and people addicted and drug uh, drug users. Let's take a look, for example, even with the problem of alcohol. Alcohol is legal, yet alcoholism uh, affects about 4 million people a year, and look how many deaths are concerned. So we are concerned that decriminalization or legalization 
would actually worsen the health problems uh, and the uh, devastation among African-American communities. We have not yet been convinced that decriminalization and legalization is a way to go. Well, uh, Judge Burnett, you and I have had this discussion before, and of course, as a uh, member of LEAP, I would tend to disagree with you, but I feel certain that uh, you guys are putting a good focus onto a necessary change. Right. Um, any uh, uh, thoughts you'd like to relay to the audience out there who might be unconvinced of this need for change? Well, uh, one of the things I want to emphasize, we are also emphasizing uh, educating our youth in our public schools, schools starting at the third grade about the biological and medical consequences of drug use, but also encouraging African-American youth, Latino youth, to aspire to make good grades in school, not to drop out, not to be truant, and excel in schools, and then we are offering our coalition to provide counselor mentors for kids starting at the eighth grade level for as an incentive for them abstaining from drug use or juvenile delinquent conduct, and we will give them counseling all the way through college, law school, medical school, professional school, and so so that we double the number of African Americans who are becoming responsible citizens, going into the professions, and making positive uh, contributions to society and cut the prison population in half. Now, I think what you have to do is to have prominent black professionals go into the schools so kids see more than just the Michael Jordans or the, or the athletes on television, but they see doctors, lawyers, businessmen, uh, social workers, and see people in all walks of life. And when people tell them that they come from humble backgrounds just like they are, I think you begin to give children a realistic appreciation of having hope. And, yes, I can do it, too. Uh, Judge Barnett, is there a, a website you might yeah. recommend where people could learn more? Absolutely. The website for the National African American Drug Policy Coalition is www.naadpc.org. My name is Howard Woldridge, a board member of Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, LEAP. Howard, uh, this past week you attended the uh, National African American uh, Drug Policy Coalition Convention there in Washington, D.C., is that correct? Yes, I did. I uh, spent all day Friday with uh, uh, leaders uh, in that particular uh, area. Now, we've, uh, we will get the chance to hear from a couple of those uh, uh, individuals who spoke and who were uh, leaders uh, of this organization, but uh, from my understanding, they are more for treatment, less... Uh, incarceration, would that be a fair assumption of where they're at? Well, what I'd say, Dean, is they're, they're simply looking for a kinder, gentler, more even-handed drug prohibition, drug war. They certainly did not say one word about the policy itself causing the, the main set of problems which brought so many of us together that Friday. Um, I was disappointed. Well, and I understand that. Howard, did you have a chance to uh, discuss the LEAP uh, position, if you will, with uh, some of those attendees? Yes, I did. You know, at the very first uh, hour uh, on a Q&A, I, I said to the, to the assembled, I said, look, the overriding problem here is the cancer, the cancer of drug prohibition, war on drugs, which has caused almost all the problems which brought us together here this morning. Isn't it not yet time for the NAADPC 
to make a public stand that the policy itself is flawed. It's a disaster for all Americans, especially African Americans, and that we should um, bring together a Blue Ribbon Commission to discuss new ways to handle and approach these last ten drugs. And uh, it was from the from the uh, podium, dead silence. We won't touch it. And uh, you, I think you're right on the money when you say how it uh, affects our society and, in particular, the black community. Because some, in some states, 60 or 80 percent of those in prison are there uh, are black people behind prison bars for drug possession. Yeah, Dean. You know, when I rode my horse through New York last year. At the end of my trip, uh, in, in New York State, it's 93% of people in prison for drug-related reasons are people of color, black and brown. And uh, it is those two communities which are taking it completely in the ear. And from those two communities, there's nothing but um, a thundering silence as to the policy itself. It's just unfathomable why they will not even stand up and say, maybe we need to discuss the policy uh, the the the, uh, the leadership of uh, the NAADPC would not touch it. Now, here on the Drug Truth Network, we uh, hear pretty much on a weekly basis from uh, Mr. Phil Jackson, and he does a report called The Black Perspective on the Drug War. Mm-hmm. And uh, in one of his reports, he uh, discussed the fact that it is the black community that's most impacted by these uh, drug laws, by the drug uh, enforcement, and uh, how... Perhaps they are too close to the situation, uh, in, in essence, that they're unable to see uh, the forest for the trees. Your, your thoughts on that? No, I, I would have to say differently, Dean. I think they know too well, intimately well. Almost everyone in the, in the community knows someone hurt, killed, in prison, uh, on probation, etc. I mean, everybody knows that the policy is driving... Uh, the, the, the black community into either being in jail or probation or being uh, dead or, or being a victim of it in terms of a crime, uh, they know this, this problem too well. Uh, the reasons that they do not stand up and say this is bad policy, it, again, for me, I've been doing this 10 years. I, I have no idea why not. Uh, the closest I've come to it from uh, uh, people I've talked to, uh, black Americans, is, quote, it's complicated, unquote. Well, it is complicated, but not not so difficult to understand. Uh, you you talk about their, I I don't know, unwillingness to discuss the subject. Uh, I know I, I deal with uh, Pacifica Radio with a lot of liberals, uh, a lot of blacks, and I, I'm amazed by the fact that they never bring this up as a topic of discussion on their radio shows, even though it is their brothers, their uh, families their neighbors being impacted so hard by this policy. Yeah, that's exactly right. And at the, at the uh, forum all day for eight hours on, on Friday, uh, all we heard about was, of course, we need treatment, uh, drugs are a problem, and that uh, we need to work on three areas, mandatory minimums, crack versus powder cocaine, and um, re-entry, uh, re-entry issues, and all of which are important. Don't get me wrong, but... They're simply nibbling at the edges of a 10,000-pound elephant. And even, as I said, they're looking for a kinder, gentler war. Don't put, my, don't put my black brothers in jail for 20 years. Just put them in for two. I mean, that's the mentality that I heard all day on Friday. We are speaking uh, with uh, Howard Wildridge, former police officer, current member of law enforcement against prohibition, 
Their website is leap.cc. Howard, if you could speak to the average listener out there, black or white, about this need for focus on what we're doing to the black community, how would you summarize it? I'd summarize it as, as, as simply take a look around you. Uh, you know, when I was riding my horse through Chicago last year, I just, many of them said, you know what, you're put, you, the, black, the, the white uh, race, is putting us black people in jail, uh, but you've got to pay for it. And that's, that's very true. I mean, actually, all Americans pay for it. But we're all paying for it as a society as we rip the minority communities to shreds. So many families without uh, children, without parents, etc. It's not just dollars and cents, Dean. This is a, this is a, a catastrophic failure for the community uh, on, on all levels, and certainly it hurts us as a country. And I'm hoping that uh, somehow those who understand this, and they do, will will have the courage one day to stand up and say, you know what, the policy is flawed. We at least need to take a stand on it publicly and say, look at a new approach besides lock them up lock them up well uh, once again speaking of leap we are a, a group of uh, approximately 150 former law enforcement and uh, justice officials and uh, 5,000 or so friends of leap people who believe in what we're doing and uh, I think the the offer still stands does it not that would be willing to come speak to any organization black or white to uh, explain the horribly flawed uh, drug war policy is, is that correct that's correct. Uh, we're after four years now, Dean. We're up to uh, nearly 100 speakers, I think, in almost every state. And uh, certainly, we will come and, and discuss this policy with anyone, because this is a, a incredibly difficult problem and destructive problem for our country, and especially the minority communities. And it has got to come to a stop as soon as possible. Well, you mentioned earlier the people were nibbling at the elephant, but. Uh... I think this thing is even more vast. It's probably a right whale sitting here in the living room. <laughs> well, whatever the metaphor, it certainly is something which has grown and grown now for the past 35 years of the strategy of drug war. And uh, at, at, this, at this point, the only thing that's stopping it from growing is the, the lack of dollars at the state level uh, for building new prisons. And uh, the, so far, the, the, biggest, the biggest break on this thing has been the economics of states and and counties are simply running out of money to put everybody in jail well that is the case now uh, we spoke of the fact that the uh, national uh, african-american drug policy coalition uh, they're taking some steps you and i consider them to be baby steps but at least they are addressing the subject broaching the subject let's hope that they can open their eyes uh, wide to to the full nature of this problem i hope at least as a next step that they would take would be to simply say to to have anyone uh, in possession of personal amounts of any illegal drug should face zero jail time. It should be treated as a probation treatment issue as opposed to a jail time. Still, um, uh, 46 states, if you're in simple possession of cocaine, you're looking at two years in prison, uh, and often, even first offense, they're, they're drawing three and six months, which just destroys their chances for life, plus, of course, the big F on their chest. Uh, which it makes it very difficult for housing and jobs, as you know. Uh, there are other baby steps that can be taken. I would hope that the NAADPC would go past just the, the problem of uh, powder versus crack cocaine and address uh, the, the hundreds of thousands of people in their community who are adversely affected by these, these, uh, these uh, F on the chest of people who are just convicted of simple possession of, of a uh, hard narcotic. 
that would be another baby step that would do wonders for uh, for their community. I, I know it's difficult for all of us to admit to say the three hardest words in English. I was wrong. Uh, however, it's it's imperative that the minority communities, as quickly as possible, come on and 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 say those words and and just look at new approaches and new ideas to roll back the the tremendous harm being done by the nation's policy of drug prohibition. My name is Vincent Hayden, H-A-Y-D-E-N, and I'm the chair of the National Black Alcoholism and Addiction Council. I'm also a member of the National African American Drug Policy Coalition, and then I run a treatment program in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Mr. Hayden, uh, you are in Washington, D.C. at this time uh, attending a conference uh, of, of uh, a coalition of black leaders to address this, this problem of drugs. Uh, please summarize that uh, conference, if you will. We're here just to talk about the impact of drugs on our communities overall, and in uh, particular, we're here to talk about how drugs are devastating the African-American community, and we're also trying to make it straight that uh, this drug abuse in our, pro in our uh, community, uh, if we had looked at it more, I think that and dealt with it in a different way, we may not have had the problems that we're having now um, with drugs and alcohol. Yes, sir. I, I saw some studies from the U.S. Department of Justice indicated that uh, uh, South Africa, under apartheid, arrested about 850 blacks per 100,000. And here in the United States, uh, under this uh, drug war, we arrest 4,819. Your thoughts on that disparity, sir? The, the big issue for me is just the fact that we have been working for a long time to deal with the challenges of drugs. And so if you look at the big picture, the majority of people who are being arrested are going to jail, and many of them are going to jail because of their own usage. Until we look at treatment as a positive way to deal with an issue or a disease, we're going to have a problem. So we've got to make a decision here. Are, are we going to incorporate people or are we going to rehabilitate them? And that's what we're trying to do is to get our leadership to understand that this issue has more to do with a disease than it has to do with someone uh, needing to go to jail because even when they get out of jail, they still are going to have a chemical dependency problem. You know, I'm here with the Congressional Black Caucus and the Congressional Black Caucus Foundation, and I think one of the things that we have to try to deal with more clearly is that we have an institutional way that we deal with dislikes. And what a lot of drug addiction is cultural, and you find it now is not looking like a color anymore. It's looking like different people who have bought in or been raised in a particular culture. What we're trying to do is get people who are in position to help change this paradigm to look at it from a cultural uh point versus the EAP, where everything looks the same and, and all programs are giving to all people. So, so when Lee Brown was in office and, and other people, the reason I feel that we haven't got as much 
as far down the road as we could is because uh, Commissioner Brown or, or Mayor Brown had to deal with a culture, and this culture, that's where it's hard to break the culture. That's the whole thing. Many times uh, blacks use uh, crack cocaine, and for amounts that are one-tenth that of powdered cocaine, receive mandatory minimum sentences. Your, your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, and, and that's the thing. First of all, who is sitting down making the laws and trying to understand the laws? So that's the first thing. We need some other people at the table. The second thing is, is that my premise and some, with some others is that if you're going to put a penalty on cocaine, it probably should come off of the powder cocaine because it takes the powder cocaine in order to make crack cocaine. Do you follow me? I, I do, sir. I know, you know that. It... So, so to to jump around and say, and and it first started by it was almost like a methamphetamine. You know, the people who use crack cocaine, this crack cocaine made them more dangerous than the people who use powder. Well, you know, I've I've been around long enough that I'm not going to put the illness on people. Let you let you figure it out for yourself. Let's look at who uses more powder and who was using more crack cocaine and so then the question then becomes why you know and 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 is the the reason the disparities or or the more time is given to crack cocaine versus powder cocaine what what is the difference right there we need to look at use and abuse and drug uh disease uh, and then we wouldn't get into the legal aspect. Now, the legal aspect is a good one because cocaine, uh, heroin, uh, marijuana, those are illegal drugs. But at the same time, I think we spent more energy looking at drug abuse in this country and why it is there and what's the pre preventive modes and what's the aftercare, then I, I don't think we would need our prisons the way we need them now because the prisons are not serving the needs of why the people are coming when 80% of the people in prison are there because of alcohol and drug abuse and what the what prison does for those people, it doesn't serve them well because it doesn't get them well. Uh, the question is, why do you now have treatment in prison when if we had treatment outside, we wouldn't have anybody who would need to have treatment inside the prison? You follow me? I do, sir. Um, you know, I, I am a member of law enforcement against prohibition. I, I feel that if we legalize these drugs, we would destroy the black market, which is uh, an attractant uh, to our children to join up for the money, and uh, we would dispel much of that violence and impact within the community. And uh, see, in my mind, it's time to have that dialogue. It's time to have that conversation. For whatever the reason is, pros and cons, we're getting it in little bitty places rather than bring it to the front of the table <laughs> and so we can have that dialogue because in the dialogue somewhere we can come together to deal with this because the way we're dealing with now is like, you know, in the sense like you said, we've got the for and we've got the against. And so what's happening, people are falling in the middle, and that's where we're having our problems. Yes, sir. Uh, uh, is there a website you might recommend where folks could learn more about this? Sure. Um, www nbacinc.org.
All right. And uh, any closing thoughts you'd like to relay to my audience? Well, first of all, I would just say keep up the good work and uh, continue to ask uh, questions that haven't been answered before because I think um, people need to hear this. Today I heard a young lady say that um, she was a college graduate, a young African-American lady, must have been somewhere between 22 and 25, and she just was not aware that people who were on drugs did uh, recover from drugs and became uh, instrumental people in our community. That means that the message is not getting out there. That means that we have to do more in marketing uh, the positive of this. And in some cases, uh, stop trying to uh, tattoo uh, certain people as the cause of uh, our problem and those kinds of things. We're flat out of time. So once again, I remind you that because of drug prohibition, you don't know what's in that bag. Please be careful. To the Drug Truth Network listeners around the world, on behalf of engineer Philip Guffey, this is Dean Becker for Cultural Baggage and the Unvarnished Truth, the show produced at the Pacifica Studios of KPFT, Houston. Jap dancing on the edge of the <laughs>